0: with Alana. On this episode, I talk about the marriage plateau. What is it? When does it typically occur? And how to recover from it? The marriage plateau. This is going to be a very interesting topic. You know, as a married woman myself, I cannot say that I I have not experienced a marriage plateau and I've only been married once. Um, let's see, I got married about uh, four years ago and I would say that uh, to be honest, I felt as though I hit that marriage plateau right around the third year. And um, for a lot of my friends who are married, uh, That seems to be the average, you know, for those of us who got married in our 30s. By the third year, we kind of seem like things sort of like, you know, level off some. And so I felt it was necessary to talk about this marriage plateau, having been through it. Um, and of course, having friends that have uh, been through it or are going through it and because so many marriages um fail and so many people have these experiences where it feels as though things aren't the same anymore i thought that it would be a good topic um so i i decided to um you know throw my topic out there on social media to see what people would think and i solicited um letters from folks and I have a letter uh, from Onika out of Alpharetta, Georgia, and it reads as follows. It says, Dear Alana, I have been married for a little over five years, and we've had plenty ups and downs over the years. I've come to realize that my marriage has become boring for the most part. Ooh, ouch. My spouse feels more and more like a roommate every day, and we drift through each day without the passion and excitement that we once had. I love my husband, and I should add that he is a hard worker, a good father, and have never abused me, but I can't help but feel as though my marriage has reached as high as it could get, and has fizzled out. I guess I shouldn't complain, since I don't have a bad relationship, but... With other things going on in my marriage, it doesn't always feel like a good one either. Wow. So that, again, is a letter that um, I have here. And, you know, Onika, a lot of people can relate. You know, a lot of people can relate to what it is you're saying here. Let's kind of break it down some, what it is you're saying. You know, you've been married a little over five years, and again... Again, on average, right around the third or fourth year, people start to feel, you know, like the honeymoon is over. And so you're not alone when it comes to feeling this marriage plateau that you're experiencing um, at the fifth year. Now, some people, you know, this might not apply to everyone. Let me just start off by saying that there are some people who feel the passion for the first five years. They might even feel it well into 10 years but with, you know, today's state of marriages, it's it's probably not very likely. And so they might be the minority if they are five years in and still feel like newlyweds. I mean, it's, it really isn't likely. So let's be realistic here. Um, so you've come to realize that your marriage has become boring. So I said ouch in the middle of your, your message because if it's boring, then you're talking about it being very mundane. That means that there is no more excitement in your eyes. You've perceived your marriage as being something that probably feels more like a roommate situation. And, um, you know, if it's boring for the most part, I guess one of my questions would be, you know, have you communicated how bored you are? I guess in a nicer way, you know, with your spouse. Um And then you did mention that it it feels more like a roommate situation and that you're just drifting through your day, which is not good because you don't want to just feel like day in and day out, you know, you're just going through the motions that that is not the least bit exciting at all. And um, it's certainly not something you want to be, um, you know, just living day by day with just no passion day in and day out, just drifting past in each day. You say that you love your husband, which is good, Um, and that he does everything he's supposed to do. He's a hard worker. He's a good father, Uh, and it's very good that he doesn't abuse you, because then we would be having a different conversation, and I would refer you to my podcast on abuse, Um, but you feel as though things have fizzled out, and it sounds like it has, so when you say that you guess you shouldn't complain, you know I have to disagree. I mean, you're complaining right now. Clearly there's a problem. Um I think if you were to ignore it, you would be miserable. And so having the complaint is a good start to acknowledging that there is in fact a problem. So I wouldn't feel too bad about that um at all. You know, you say that you don't have a bad relationship. Well, it depends on how it is you define it. Okay, so he's not abusing you, yeah, but you know, is he failing in other areas? Are you failing in other areas? Um, are you guys, you know, failing together? And those are questions only you can answer. But, you know, I, I really want to say that, you know, it sounds like you have reached um, a state in your marriage where it is you're really given your marriage some thought, which is very good. That's very good. So, it sounds like you've hit the marriage plateau. So what is the marriage plateau? The marriage plateau is a place in your marriage where there's little to no change. Everything just seems to be mundane. You know, arguments may even seem to go around in circles, in circles when it is you do have them, you know and um oftentimes when you argue there's really no resolve sometimes when it says we argue we we give up altogether you know we don't even want to argue anymore it's like pointless you know with this person um and so you know everything just seems pretty mundane everything about your marriage may seem leveled off to a point where the excitement just seems null and void and so That is the marriage plateau. Now, I know it sounds like a lot, you know, like it's the end and maybe, you know, even time to call it quits. But believe it or not, the marriage plateau is completely normal. And and it happens to many of us, if not all of us, when it is we become married. Now, if you are not married and you're listening to this, please do not get, you know, afraid of the idea of marriage or anything like that. Um, I think if anything, you should look at this as an opportunity to learn about what to expect. And I think if you have that insight, um, you can better deal with it when it comes. So don't be afraid if you're not married yet, or you're looking for marriage and or you're about to get married, maybe you're engaged, maybe you're newlywed. Um, and you know, I don't want this episode to scare you. And I certainly don't want you to have the idea of, no, it won't be me. Um, it may not be, but you know, it, it is kind of likely to happen as you know, it, it does for many. So, um, the marriage plateau can mean something different for, for many different people. You know, it could be, it could be due to a lack of spontaneity it could be due to a lack of romance. Um for some people that plateau can mean having little to no sex. Um let's see it it can also mean having a lack of attention from your significant other, um a lack of communication. And and oftentimes when we have those things in place, you know, it, that can lead to feelings of unhappiness. And in some cases for for some people it can also lead to extramarital affairs now it doesn't always have to but it but it can um according to an article that i read in in psychology today and let me just say this um as i'm in the field of psychology i'm really not a big fan of psychology today <laughs> but um i couldn't find any statistics on um, the marriage plateau specifically, uh, because it's, it's a rather subjective term. It just depends on how it is you define your plateau. So it would be very difficult to, um, to research it, uh, because it's difficult to conceptualize it. And so I want to say that the statistics that I received off of psychology today, um may not be reliable and you should probably do your own research but from what it is i found you know they found a poll that revealed that only 17% of married couples are happy i'm going to say that again cuz that was shocking even to me 17% of us married couples are happy wow I mean, think about it. That means that more than 80% of married couples in the United States are unhappy, which might explain why it is the divorce rate is steady at 50%. 50% of marriages fail, you know, and that trend is not getting any better. Unfortunately, that marriage trend is getting worse. And so... Can you imagine that? So many couples, so many people that are together right now are miserable. They're just they're just going through the motions. They are maybe committed. Um, they're staying married for a number of reasons. That could be, you know, codependency, you know, that could be you're staying married for the kids, or you're staying married because when you look at the alternative, either being single or going out there to date in this climate. You're afraid. Um, I mean, so many different reasons why unhappy people would stay together. You know, I think about my grandparents on both sides of my mother's um, side of the family and on my father's side of the family. And growing up in the Caribbean, culturally, um, you know, if you were unhappy with your spouse, from what it is I saw, from what i witnessed... It didn't matter. (laughs) You know, you lived with that person. That man would be in a room across the house all the way on the other end, a good 50 feet away, and the wife would be on the other end. And he was still taking care of house and home, and, and grandma is still taking care of the kids. And even though they were freaking miserable, for some reason, they stayed together till death. And for a lot of married couples, um, you know, that seems to be the case today. People will stay together if the benefits, you know, outweigh the risk. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Let me think about that for a second. Yeah, if the benefit of staying together outweighs the risk, um, you're going to stay with that person. And there's a. I think it's called interdependence theory. Don't quote me on that. I may have to look that up, but I believe it's called interdependence theory, which is the reason why so many people will stay miserable in a relationship even though they know that they can be 10 times happier by themselves. So anyways, I digress a little bit. Um I do want to move on, you know, about this plateau so just to to backtrack here, 80% of couples are unhappy. And, you know, could this plateau be the reason, you know? Could this plateau be to blame for all the unhappiness going around in today's marriages? To answer this question, I want to look at it from um, a social psychological standpoint. You know, marriage is said to go through a series of stages, and all of this is theory, right? But, you know, if, if I mention a theory, it's because it makes sense to me, and, and perhaps it might make sense to you as well. Um, there are five stages, to be exact. Uh, depending on whose theory you're reading, some theories kind of merge these all together into three, but we're going to go with this one of five uh, stages of um, marriage. There's the romance stage. So the romance stage is really, it's really self-explanatory, right? It occurs before marriage, and it goes on for as long as the passion and the romance endures well into the marriage. So you meet someone, and you you can't eat, you can't sleep, you know, every time you get around them, you're like all giddy, and you can't stop thinking about this person, And you have all of these butterflies when you see them. And it's like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to rip your clothes off. And, you know, we're having all these freaky thoughts. And before you know it, you know, you're falling in love after you get past all that lust. And and you're falling in love with this person. And then you're romancing this person. And you're getting the flowers. And you're enjoying the valentines and all of that good stuff. You know, I'm just kind of throwing some ideas out there. Um, For some of us, it doesn't happen like that, right? But uh, you go through this romance stage and you get married and you, you're you in that honeymoon phase. For some people that could be past a year or more. So that romance stage uh, usually comes first. The second stage is what's called the familiarization or disillusionment stage. Um, the familiarization or disillusionment stage is, is when you become accustomed with each other. At this point, this is your spouse. Your spouse is doing everything they didn't do during the romance stage. Maybe they're pooping in front of you. <laughs> you know, that man or woman you once held on a perfect pedestal is now a regular Joe or Jane. And, you know, she may have traded in those stilettos that she used to wear, you know, during those sex scenes for flats. As a matter of fact, she's not even wearing stilettos during sex anymore. And she's wearing that ridiculous head bonnet that you can't stand sometimes during sex as well. And um you know and, and the guy, you know, he may have let his waistline go a few extra inches past visceral fat. You know, so we're all at this point a regular Georgian who is we just kinda let ourselves go a little bit. Um for those of us who are not your high maintenance crowd. Now, I don't know about some of you ladies out there, but let me tell you something. I don't leave home without my face. Um, my husband has seen me all playing face and even playing face, you know, hey, I still look good. <laughs> we should all want to look good. And there's no way in hell I'm leaving this house with a bonnet on my head. But, you know, for some of us, you know, we we let things go a bit and, you know, we kind of get comfortable which is not a bad thing but it can really really you know take a toll for someone in your in your relationship who has who starts to question is this the same person that i met that i married when they were really doing themselves up you know but anyways um all of that of course is just Things on the outside. Naturally, you might still be the same person on the inside. Um, You still love each other. But for some reason, nothing appears the same as it did when you first met. So that would be the the, the familiarization or disillusionment stage. Then you have the power struggle um, or disappointment stage. And yes, people disappoint. It happens. We might not intend to and and i'm not talking about disappointment in terms of cheating i'm talking about you know maybe not meeting those expectations maybe you have a spouse that said we will travel every single year we're going to do this we're going to do that um and then they they you know they didn't do it they didn't not so much keep up their end of the bargain but they didn't follow through with these initial goals dreams and aspirations that they had or you had goals dreams and aspirations and they didn't support you on it even though they said that they would in the beginning um and so you find yourself in this power struggle or disappointment stage with your partner you know um of course every relationship's different but um this can happen especially when you have kids the moment you have children together you have that power struggle when it comes to parenting styles because we all parent differently we all bring our own values into um, our marriages when it comes to raising kids. And sometimes you butt heads. Um, work-life balance can pose an issue if you have one partner that works a lot and doesn't have time or they work really odd hours. Um, or you have one partner that's not willing to work at all. Uh, you know, So that can really take a toll on relationships there and create that disappointment as well and um you might have one partner who spends a lot of time doing doing activities that are more uh personal activities than couples activities so you might not have a partner that's doing um you know couple dates and and spending time with you but they sure spend a lot of time going out to the bar by themselves playing pool by themselves or out with the boys or out with their girls or whatever the case may be that might be um you know i guess looked at as a personal activity almost as if they're still living the single life. So those are some examples of that power struggle, disappointment stage. Then there's the stability stage. Um, So if you've gotten past the struggle and disappointment, you know, couples decide to stay together whether they're happy or not in the stability stage. It's kind of like you got to this point and you're like, well, this is what I got. So, you know, hey, <laughs> I'm just going to deal with it. Um, or you somehow managed to work your way through that struggle, disappointment stage with some therapy and, you know, now you guys are stable. And then there's the commitment stage. Commitment stage usually comes much later on. Um, you tend to find this with the uh, older married couples. So those who have been married 25 30 40 years um they are fully committed at that point you know where it is we just adjust to the reality of being in it for the long haul until death do us part so those are the five stages there's the romance stage the familiarization or disillusionment stage the power struggle or disappointment stage the stability stage um or the commitment stage so um, of course, not all marriages go through all these stages; some end in divorce right i mean that's a given we We already know this uh somewhere between the power struggle and disappointment stage um and the stability stage is the marriage plateau so somewhere in between that struggle and stability is that plateau uh the marriage plateau I would say is a defining moment in everyone's marriage because depending on how long we stay in this sub phase and I and I call it a sub phase because it really it really is a sub phase of the struggle disappointment stage. Because after all you're a little disappointed with how things are going, hence the plateau. You know, it determines whether or not we move on to stability and commitment. So again, a very defining moment in everyone's marriage. So I mentioned before that this might not be the case for all marriages, but I honestly feel as though everyone goes through a plateau. But I don't have the research to back that up, so I'm going to say, you know, it's possible. So how can couples recover from the plateau pitfall? How can we get over this uh, plateau? I say three things... Can help a couple recover. Okay, and these are these are my three things. So feel free to quote me on this. Alana said the three things that can help you recover uh, from the marriage plateau are self evaluation, communication, and mutual exploration. In that order. I'm gonna say it again: self evaluation, communication and mutual exploration in that order. You want to sit and really process what it is you're feeling and understand why you feel the way that you feel about the state of your marriage. That is the self-evaluation part. All the things that you require, you know, ask yourself if you are also giving that as well in return. I listen to some married folks complain and complain about their significant other, but you know, when you ask them, well, have you done that in return? Are you giving what it is you require? Sometimes they don't have an answer, or the answer is usually no. So it's a two way street. You know, you have to be. Giving or at least willing to give the things that you also want to receive in your marriage. So, some self evaluation is really important there. When you have yourself figured out, you know, communicate with your partner how it is you feel. Okay, remember your partner can't read your mind. Too many times we get upset because we believe that they should know why we're upset or why it is we're feeling. I mean, after all, you know. They should know why it is we're feeling how it is we're feeling because, you know, they are in this marriage with us. It's not like we're in it by ourselves. So if we could see it, why can't they, right? Well, believe it or not, because you have a perception of your marriage that's one way doesn't mean that they perceive it to be the same. So they can't read your mind. And so you have to communicate how it is you feel. But I do recommend that before you communicate it, you again, you self-evaluate because you have to know. What you want and why you're feeling the way that you do, in order to communicate to them how it is you feel. So, you know, um that's something you want to do. You want to, you want to communicate with them. Now, he or she is either gonna get receptive, or they're gonna either be receptive to what it is you're saying, or they're gonna become defensive. Okay, those are the two things. Either either they're gonna go with what you're saying, or they're gonna be like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. I've been doing everything right. It's you. And that would be the defensive side. So if they are defensive, or as we like to say, if they're stuck in their ways, that's going to be a big problem. That's going to be a problem. And in that case, I recommend some type of third party intervention, such as a marriage and family therapist or Christian counseling. It just depends on what your needs or beliefs are. Um, I don't recommend getting your cousin, your mama, okay, or somebody, auntie, into your marriage to to come and help resolve, okay? Make sure it's a professional. Um, MFTs or marriage and family therapists are very, very helpful uh, when it comes to sitting down with partners and getting them to see both sides, okay? Um, Lastly, we have mutual exploration, and it is it is exactly what it is. it sounds like in every sense of that word, both, you know, emotionally, um, you know, and physically. So if your partner is receptive and agrees that things need to change, then explore what, you know, each one of you need. Explore your needs together, you know. Um... What can you do to spice things up in the bedroom? You know, be open-minded, you know, um, explore each other's fantasies. That might mean that you want an open marriage. That might mean that you want to have, you know, um, you know, maybe you want to have a threesome, you know, maybe you want to bring someone else into that marriage, you know, full-time, part-time, I don't know, whatever it is you're into, whatever it is you decide, make sure it's a decision that you guys make together, um, You know, if it's going to help your marriage, I mean, you know, we're all grown folks here and talking about sex and how to spice things up in your marriage, you know, really shouldn't be taboo anymore. We should be able to have these grown folks conversations without anyone wanting to chew your head off for the thought that you have, you know, Um, I have a friend who will probably listen to this uh, and I hope it's okay that I mention this and I won't call names, obviously who told me that they tried to talk to their spouse about um, having a threesome. And their spouse was all for it in the beginning of the relationship. But as things went on, all of a sudden, you know, it sort of just, you know, that idea kind of fizzled away. And then when it was thought up again, you know, when the idea came about again about wanting to have a threesome... Um, their spouse got really angry and defensive and how dare you want to do this? And it was like, they had completely forgotten about the conversation that they had in, you know, the early stages of their relationship and how receptive, you know, she was then. So, you know, you can't be close minded. People are going to have fantasies. They're going to have thoughts and they're going to have ideas. Now that doesn't mean that you have to go along with it. But I don't think it's anything to get angry or defensive about. I mean, it's okay to say, nah, I'm I'm really not comfortable with that. You know, without it having to be a big, you know, drawn out match about oh now you want to be with somebody else and you know and, and make it into some big production. It doesn't have to be that way. You know, we can be grown folks, people. We can have a conversation. You know, for some people, the marriage plateau will represent the end of your marriage, unfortunately. You know, it happens, and regardless of the state of your marriage, it it will probably be emotionally painful. The end of anything is emotionally painful. And so if your spouse is defensive, argumentative, or completely dismissive of your concerns, your marriage will probably suffer more discontent You know, even if you made it to the commitment stage. So even if you decide to continue on, if they're defensive and they're dismissive of your concerns, um, you're going to be unhappy. If you've moved on to someone else emotionally, it's probably a done deal at that point. Um, Or at the very least, you'll stay committed but torn between, you know, the two and, and possibly be miserable with the one that you are married to. And at that point, yeah, it's, it, it's probably a dead relationship at that point. Uh, either way, when you hit the marriage plateau, staying together and making things work boils down to two major things, you and your partner. Like what you heard, want to be a part of the discussion? Email me at mindelevationinstitute at hotmail.com. You can also find Mind Elevation with Alana on all major podcast platforms such as Anchor, Apple Podcast, Breaker, Google Podcast, Pocket, Radio Public, Overcast, and Spotify. Thank you so much for listening and remember, service to others leads to greatness.